Love Talk Radio. Well, shalom, everyone. This is Evangelist August Rosado with Today in Bible Prophecy Ministries. I want to welcome you to our radio program, Signs of the Times with August Rosado. It is good to be here with you on this lovely Saturday here in the New England area. I'm not sure how the weather is where you are at, uh, but we are having some great weather up here in New England, and it is just a blessing to once again be here on the program. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, my good friend, Mason Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan, are you there? Yes, sir. There he is, Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries. He is our special guest today, and you have an opportunity to either email or call uh, Nathan with a prophecy question, things relating to Israel, uh, the Middle East, the rapture of the church, the Antichrist. Uh, he knows it all, amen? And so, <laughs> and so, Nathan, it's great to have you with us there, buddy. How's oh, hey, August, anytime. It's great to be talking to you, man. Amen. You know, Nathan and uh, Dr. Dave Reagan, of, uh, the founder of Lamb and Lion Ministries, he, uh, they interviewed me, I believe, it was back in March, uh, Nathan? Yeah, yeah, and then we ran uh, the series with you. I, I believe it was end of August. Great series, a good response. Uh, everybody just loves your happy personality and your incredible amount of knowledge about Bible prophecy. Oh, brother, you are, you are just uh, soft-soaked me there, but I appreciate the comedy, amen. Uh, Brother Nathan uh, is on staff full-time with Lamb and Lion Ministries, and uh, he has a lot of knowledge concerning Bible prophecy, and uh, I really enjoyed my time with him and Dr. Reagan on the TV set of the uh, nationwide TV program, Christ in Prophecy. It's seen on the Inspirational Network, INSP, uh, Daystar Television Network, the Church Channel, and I also believe, uh, Nathan, the National Religious Broadcasters, correct? Correct, yes. Yes, yeah, so you can uh, catch the program Christ and Prophecy, and you can see uh, uh, Brother Nathan along with uh, Dr. Reagan, and they interview uh, personalities every single week on the show. And I highly recommend that you tune in uh, to the program. It is a real blessing. So before we get to uh, Nathan and ask him some questions, uh, let me just give you a rundown of what's going on over here with us in today in Bible Prophecy Ministries. Uh, next month I am going to be in Texas. And on December the 4th, I will be preaching at Bethel Baptist Church. That is in Pittsburgh, Texas, not Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Texas. The Bethel Baptist Church, I'll be preaching the Sunday morning and the Sunday evening service there. So if you live anywhere near the uh, Pittsburgh, Texas area, uh, come on out and uh, join us as we study God's prophetic word in light of current events. We would love to have you. And then, of course, I will be hooking up with my good friend, uh, Nathan, uh, we will be at the pre-trib conference there in Dallas, and uh, we go there uh, every single year. It's a real blessing uh, to me, and, of course, I get the fellowship with uh, Dr. Dave Reagan and, of course, uh, our special guest today, Nathan Jones. And That's I where I met you, didn't I, August? Wasn't it the pre-trib? That's exactly, right, exactly, Nathan. That's where you met us. And uh, then it was one thing just led to another, amen? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've known you all my life. I can't remember when I didn't know you. It's must have been the I preacher. know. Can you imagine that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this—that's why I met uh, Brother Nathan. Got to know uh, Dr. Dave Reagan, and then of course I believe it was uh, at last year's conference he uh, in, uh, invited me for a TV interview. And believe me, I was shaking in my boots, Nathan, when he asked me that. And uh, but uh, the Lord worked it out, and that was a real blessing. But we'll be there at the pre-trip conference. That will be. I hope I get these dates right now. Uh, December fifth, sixth, and the seventh. And so uh, we will be there, and then we'll be going down to South Texas, and I will be in the Corpus Christi 
area, and I will be preaching at the Lamb of God Baptist Church, Corpus Christi, Texas. So if you're in that area, come on out and visit us uh, that Sunday morning. And then December the 14th, I will be preaching at First Baptist Church in Gregory, uh, Texas, and then down into the Rio Grande Valley, where I will be preaching at the Cornerstone Baptist Church there in Donna, Texas. And then that Sunday evening, I will be preaching in Hologen at Grace Baptist Church. So we're going to be pretty busy there in uh, Texas next month. So if you want to know where we're going to be at, just go to my website, www.todayinbibleprophecy.org. That's www.todayinbibleprophecy.org. Look at our calendar of events, and you will see where we are going to be there. Also, again, before we get to May 10, March of 2012, we're going to be uh, taking a tour to Israel, 10 days in the Holy Land, and we are calling this the Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. If you are interested in wanting to go to Israel with us uh, in March of 2012, just give us a call here. 774-888-8025. That's 774-888-8025. We'd love to send you a free color brochure of the tour, give you some more information, ask any questions that you have. Uh, we take very small tours to Israel with us between maybe 15 and 20 people. So if you want to come to uh, Israel with us, we would love to have you join us for this trip of a lifetime. Well, again, we have Nathan Jones with us here. Uh, from Land Alliance Ministries. Nathan, could you just tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, certainly. <clears throat> First, I want to add about your trip to Israel. I've been twice with our ministry, who also holds tours, and I would highly recommend it for everybody. I mean, you read the Bible and you, you picture all these kind of things in your mind, but when you see them in person, the Bible comes to life, and it is just a wonderful experience to go to Israel and, and have the Bible come to life before your eyes. But uh, a little about myself. Uh, I have always uh, I've come from a long line of pastors and Bible salesmen and, and just love the Word, and I've always wanted to serve the Lord, and I went to Bible college at Philadelphia Biblical University and met my wife, Heather, there, and I worked at a mission board for two years. Originally, we were going to go out, and we were going to serve um, the um, street children of Brazil, and we were going to work with them, and the candidate director at the ministry I was working for at the time said, well, you know, why don't you go out and get some real-world experience? I thought... Okay, but, you know, looking back, I kind of wonder, was that the best advice or the worst advice I'd ever gotten? Because when I got out there looking for a job, Bible degrees don't get you much. So I uh, left, uh, looked for a job, and uh, I ended up having to go back to school. Went into technology, and I found a real love for web development, design, and understanding that the Internet, is at the time, it was the mid-'90s, is a new medium that's reaching the entire planet. Matter of fact, there's over 2 billion people plus on the Internet right now. And after working a number of... Uh, businesses and uh, started my own business called Creation Websites, and I worked for a large uh, church in Kentucky, Southeast Christian Church, for six years as a web architect, and that's where I heard Dr. David Reagan speak. He did a four-part series, and through a mutual friend, I found out he was looking for someone not just to develop the web, but also use the web as a tool to minister to others. And so uh, Dr. Reagan offered me the position, and about four years ago, I came down to Texas and here in Dallas, and and we're serving the Lord at Lamb and Lion Ministries ever since. And I look back and like, wow, you know, how the Lord has set me to give me a bigger mission field than I could have ever imagined having. Wow, that's a, that's a real blessing. I mean, Nathan, how, how does it feel to work with someone like, like Dr. Reagan? I consider Dr. Dave Reagan a, 
Uh, I mean, this, this man is just, uh, he's got a brain, if I can say that. And uh, <laughs> he is very, very intelligent. He is very smart. He wrote many, many books. How does it feel working with someone like Dr. Reagan and, and being on TV with him every week? Tiring. Who can keep up? <laughs> he's a, a well of, of energy. The man is so passionate about the Lord's soon return and proclaiming that message. It permeates everything about him. All his conversation, all his relationships, everything we do. I, there, if there's anyone who I've ever met in life that is dedicated to one single purpose in life, Dr. Reagan is to proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ. And it's an honor that the Lord's given me the opportunity to serve with him, to learn Bible prophecy from him, and uh, just it's been a, a great growing experience. I, you know, again, I started ministering the web, and uh, you know, he started having me on Christ in Prophecy as a co-host. And uh, we've done uh, conferences, and you know, I don't have the speaking schedule that you do, and I'm not sure many people have the speaking schedule you do, August. God bless you, man. But I get around the country a little bit, and we do tours. And, uh, but mostly my mission field's online, and I've noticed, like, instead of traveling around the country, more people want me to Skype over the Internet and do conferences over the Internet. So I don't have to go out into the world as much. The world kind of comes to me through the Internet. And it's just a whole new field, and I just, I'm just i on the cutting edge of it, and it's just a great blessing to serve the Lord in this new way. Well, amen. You know, if you, if you want to know more about Lamb and Lion Ministries, they have a website. And give them more information about that, Nathan. Sure. <clears throat> uh, LambLion.com, that's L-A-M-B-L-I-O-N.com. Uh, the name comes from Jesus came first as the suffering lamb. We'll come back at his second coming as the conquering king. So Lamb and Lion Ministries, Dr. Reagan starred that uh, a little over 30 years ago. And uh, ever since, it's been dedicated to nothing but proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ, pointing out the signs of the times. And because there's so many signs of the times that have to do with apologetics, we do a lot of apologetic-type uh, ministry as well. We have a passion for Israel like you do, August. We, we love Israel and know that God has a plan for her. And um, <clears throat> lamblion.com is our website. That's also my pulpit. And you can find all sorts of articles about all aspects of Bible prophecy. Our TV shows are posted there. If you want to speak with other Christians, we've got about 4,500 people on our Facebook group discussing. If you need a daily dose of Bible prophecy, we have our blog at lamblion.us. We have a newsletter. You can sign up right off the home page. And every other week we'll send you a newsletter that has up-to-date prophetic information. And uh, we continue to grow and expand that web ministry, and we even have it uh, set up so that after the rapture of the church, which I believe we're talking about today, we will be able to share the gospel with people even after the Lord's taken us out of here. To me, man, that's exciting. That's what juices me up, to know that we have been given the tools by the Lord to reach people unlike any other generation has ever seen. Well, amen to that. You know, Dr. Reagan has been my mentor uh, for years, Nathan. Uh, you know, I've been following Zola Levitt, you know, before he went home with mm. the Lord in 2006. And Zola was my, my main mentor. But when he went home to be with the Lord, uh, you know, I've been really following Dave Reagan. I remember when I got saved in 1988, and when he first started going on the uh, radio, uh, I started listening to Dr. Reagan. And for some reason, there was a connection there. You know what I mean? I didn't know him. He didn't know me. But I really enjoyed uh, his teaching. And then I... I started these Bible prophecy conferences up here in the New England area. And then, of course, I would have Dennis Pollack uh, come down here. Dennis was uh, Dave's right-hand man for some time before he started his own ministry. And we'd have Dennis come up, like, every year uh, for my uh, prophecy conferences. And so now Dennis is off doing his thing, and now the Lord has placed you there, Nathan. And it's just amazing how 
God can work something out. I mean, I would never even, you know, think about it in my most wild imagination that I would one day be on Dave Reagan's TV show, Christ and Prophecy. It's just amazing how God works things out. And then he brings you into the picture. And then, of course, you and I strike up a good friendship. I mean, Nathan, God is just too good. <laughs> you're, you're not kidding. I, I remember the first time I met Dr. Reagan. Well, I didn't meet him. I, I was introduced to him, so to speak. Uh, Southeast Christian Church is a mega church at one time before Joel Osteen's church. It had the biggest facility in the country. We could seat 9,100 people in our auditorium. And that was the night that Dr. Reagan was speaking. And other than Max Licato, only Dr. Reagan could max out all 9,100 seats, and he did that night. And he just gave a a riveting message. I remember it was all about Hurricane Katrina and how it was God's judgment on us for how we were treating Israel. And I was like, wow, you know, this is amazing. I consider Dr. Reagan probably one of the best preachers in the country. He just really knows how to connect to an audience. And then, you know, a buddy of his that was in a Bible study with me said, yeah, he's looking for a web minister. And at that time, I really felt like my ministry at Southeast was winding down and it was time to pass the baton. And so, like you said, it's just amazing how the Lord works. And uh, I watch Dr. Reagan all the time, you know, try to get tips on how he preaches. And, uh, you know, I understand his passion. And uh, it's just, it's a great, great, great learning experience. And like you said, a great blessing of the Lord. He he put on a great uh, message together last year at the Preacher Conference concerning this false teaching of a Muslim Islamic Antichrist, and this seems to be, you know, really catching fire in the uh, Christian community today, especially those who study uh, Bible prophecy, but we'll have more to say about that in a minute. Folks, we have the lines open. You can call us toll-free at 877-659-8944. That's a toll-free number all across the United States and around the world, 877-659-8944. If you have a question for Nathan Jones, of Lamb and Lion Ministry, you have an opportunity to call us at that toll-free number, again, 877-659-8944. If your phone's shy and you want to send us an email, then uh, send an email question to Nathan at august.todayinbibleprophecy at gmail.com. That's august.todayinbibleprophecy at gmail.com. Don't forget, next week we're going to have another special guest, and that will be Donald Perkins. He will be with us next week as we ask him questions concerning Bible prophecy and world events. So don't forget to tune in next week as Donald Perkins will be our special guest. And, of course, Nathan, uh, Donald Perkins is no stranger to Lamb and Lion Ministries. No, no. I, I consider him a friend. He is very knowledgeable about Bible prophecy. He was actually a featured speaker at a conference I put on myself. And uh, uh, it will be a great blessing to your audience to have Don there next week. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. He just confirmed with me today that uh, that he would love to be on the uh, program next week. And so, Lord willing, unless that trumpet sounds, brother, uh, we're looking forward to having uh, Donald uh, with us. Praise well, the Lord. Nathan, we're going to get to the we're going to get to the questions uh, right now, and uh, you know, we might get some email questions, we might not get any phone calls at all, but that's okay. We'll just keep rambling away unless someone calls. But other than that, Nathan, uh, what is uh, your position, just tell people just briefly your position there at Lamb and Lion Ministries. I know I, I tell them that you're the webmaster, but what, what, a web minister, rather, and just simply what does that mean? Well, uh, my title is evangelist and web minister. Uh, Dr. Reagan is the senior evangelist. Evangelist just means you're a preacher without a church. But uh, technically I don't have a church, but online there's just – what's great about online is that you can reach people – 
who have no access to the gospel. I mean, we have people coming into our Facebook group and into our blog and all who say they live in a Muslim country and they love Jesus, and if anyone found out, they'd be killed. And the only gospel they get is coming to our website and reading our materials and other materials. Uh, we have a lady this week who wrote in from South Africa who says that there's just no solid Bible-believing church in her area. So she comes to our website and our ministry and speaks with the other people in our group, and that's how she gets her church. Uh, another lady in England, same thing. All the churches around her have gone emergent, and this is how she gets her Christian wow. fellowship. So the idea that church meets in the building, uh, certainly you know, we need to follow Hebrews 10.25 and meet with other believers, wow. but the, the structure of, of how church is is changing in this era, and uh, while I won't say that our, our ministry online is a church, it provides a lot of what people need church-wise in getting the gospel and getting that solid, doctrinally, Bible-based teaching that these people over the world need. So that's my position, basically. I'm, I guess I could say I'm kind of, I evangelize the lost all over the Internet. I, I edify yeah. believers by giving them, <clears throat> excuse me, the gospel. But overall, it's almost like a, an online pastoral role, you could say. Uh, of course, um, I come from a, a technical background, so I'm a programmer. I do the design work. Uh, I have a marketing, uh, web marketing, so I design all the newsletters and promote products. So <laughs> I wear a lot of hats. You know, normally a team of people does that, and but, you know, we're not a huge ministry, so I, I kind of wear all those hats. But uh, it's just great because I get to use all these different skill sets I picked up along the way to serve the Lord. And, you know, times when you – you feel like, you know, maybe you're kind of burned out. You've answered 100 questions that people have emailed in, and you're like, whew, can't take any more of that. You can switch over and design a neat graphic or program a, a cool interface. Yeah. or you know, the, the Lord kind of uh, keeps going. So I love what I do, i got to say. And uh, it's what's really neat to me is running into people like uh, Brian Thomas and Chris Perver and other guys who have seen our ministry online and said, I can do that. I don't have to be a full-time minister. I can be at home. I can work my normal job, but after hours, I can minister to people online. And building up other web ministers to minister to people over the Internet all over the planet, is, to me, is, is, you know, it's like church multiplication, but I'm multiplying other yeah. evangelists. Uh, Donald Dolmas in Nicaragua, fantastic guy. He's got a wonderful website, and he takes our materials and he converts them to Spanish and extends our range throughout the Spanish-speaking world. So uh, that's what web ministry is all about. It's, it's bringing people to Jesus Christ over the Internet and expanding the reach of the Lord through this dynamic new communication tool. Can you imagine if the apostles 2,000 years ago, Nathan, would have had the technology that you and I possess today? Can you imagine... I mean, the, the impact. I mean, they had a, a major impact, don't get me wrong, but can you imagine if they had the technology that we have today? Can you imagine how they would have just turned this world upside down? Well, I, I think that this technology is, is such a sign of the end times. As a matter of fact, uh, Daniel talked about the end times, that technology would increase, you know, people go to and fro and knowledge would increase. I believe that's uh, Daniel 12.1. And he talked about how in the future, near the end times, the gospel would spread all over the planet or the message of God would spread all over the planet. And the Internet's doing that. I, and the, on the negative side, I see the Internet is like our modern Tower of Babel. It is doing everything yeah. the Tower of Babel meant to do. It was, it's increasing exactly. our knowledge. It's increasing our connectivity. And, uh, but used in the right hands, you know, people shouldn't throw out the Internet and say, oh, it's a tool of the devil, which some people say that. It's crazy. It is a tool right. to reach people for God, just like a radio or a speaker. But uh, you talk about um, if Paul could do it today, Billy Graham, a few years back, one of his last sermons, 
he held a crusade, and they put it online. They, they, they used every technology possible, and it reached more people in that crusade than all the people who reached up from Jesus' time to, to now. That is the power of technology. And, of course, there's people groups out there who don't use technology, but it is increasing so exponentially. I mean, just a few years back, we had to have smartphones, for instance. You know, people didn't really check out the Internet over their phones. Once people really got into the cell phone thing and the Internet, it almost doubled the opportunity to reach people, double the amount of people that you could reach. So we went, you know, past the 2 billion mark. And, you know, you think about it, the world just hit 7 billion people just last week. So we're talking about 2.5 billion maybe. A third of the world can be reached over the Internet. And language isn't a barrier because there's all sorts of translation programs and people take your materials and repurpose them into their own languages. And uh, I, I think it's the Lord's way of using us to get the gospel out as quickly as possible because he's coming back really soon. And to leave it as a time capsule for those who will be left behind. And, you know, folks, the, the verse that, that uh, Nathan was referring to is in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4, where God told the Jewish prophet uh, Daniel, he says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I believe that is our generation that he is talking about today. So, Nathan, he must be coming back real soon. Oh, amen, brother. Again, that's the primary message of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We want people to get excited. You know, when it feels like the Lord is never coming back, that he's never going to keep his promise, that he will return, like he said at his ascension, that people, they grow lax, they grow lazy. But if you believe and you understand that Jesus is coming back, it gives us hope for a future in a dark, dark world. It gives us a point of living because we know to evangelize to the best of our ability. And it gives us a future hope. It's that hope that we know that the Lord's return so that we should live holy lives. I have, for instance, I have little kids, and occasionally you come across them, and they're not supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they give you that, you know, that kid's always, you know, they give you that look like, ooh, you know, so guilty. Yeah. I, I don't want to be like that when the Lord comes back. When the Lord comes back, I want to be doing the right thing and, and serving him. And, and so understanding Amen. Bible prophecy gives us that idea to live holy lives and anticipating that the Lord can return any moment. That, that's right. You know, that, you know when you just mentioned that, I'm reminded of what uh, uh, Paul said in, uh, in uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then he says in verse 13, that we have to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So Bible prophecy motivates us to live holy. It motivates us to live righteously and godly in this present world. And so, I mean, uh, Bible prophecy puts the fear of God in us, knowing that Jesus will return um, at any moment. Amen. Exactly. Uh, Bible prophecy is a third of the Bible. 31% of the Bible is Bible prophecy. And yet so many people, because they don't want to study it or if they think it's too difficult, just ignore it. But you can't ignore 31%. That would be like reading a book and forgetting the last, and not even reading the last third of the book. I mean, how do you know how it's going to turn out? How is the mystery solved? Did the good guy win or did he lose? Well, that's what Bible prophecy gives us. It gives us the ending to the book. And we know that Jesus will return. He will defeat his enemies. He will cast Satan into hell one day, and that those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ 
will live with him forever and eternity. In his home, the new Jerusalem, which will be brought to earth. I mean, wow, that tells us what our destination is. It tells us what a relationship with Christ will be. It gives us hope that all the wickedness we see now will finally end. I, I don't know. I can see why Dr. A and, and now me, it's infectious, and you, August, have gotten so excited because Bible prophecy gives us so much hope and anticipation for the future. It's, it's just it's a great comfort, you know, Nathan, when you study prophecy. It's unfortunate that many in the church today, you know, they don't want to study prophecy you even have those within the church, Nathan, that are denying that there'll ever be a rapture, that Jesus Christ is not coming back. When, whenever people approach me at prophecy conferences, believe it or not, and I get them, Nathan, they tell me, uh, August, I don't believe Jesus is coming back. And I look at them and I say, you know, you're the fulfillment of Bible prophecy because Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, tell us that in the last days that they would come scoffers, they would come mockers, they would walk after their own ungodly lust, and they'll say, hey, where is the promise? And I tell people, you're a fulfillment of Bible prophecy because the Bible, 2,000 years ago, predicted your exact response that you and many like you would come on the scene in the last days denying that he would return. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, we, we had a Bible prophecy conference a few years back, and we were right next door to a plumbing company, and I was outside. Uh, I talk about wearing many hats. I was directing traffic as well, but... Uh, one of the plumbers was coming in to turn in his truck, and he came up to me, and he, he asked, he said, now, what's going on here? I said, oh, well, we're holding a Bible prophecy conference. We're talking about the Lord's soon return. And he looked at me, and he laughed and says, everything's been the same as it always been. Jesus isn't coming wow. back. And, man, that verse that you just read just popped in my mind, because that yeah. is the mindset of people today. And, you know, there's definitely scoffers, but then there's definitely people who are tired. Uh, uh, one of my uh, former uh, supervisors uh, back at the church, Lover, and uh, she said that you know she was so excited about Bible prophecy when Hal Lindsey came out with the late great planet Earth back in the early 70s, but then it became the 80s, and then the 90s, and then the 2000s, and well, where was the Lord? And she'd kind of given up, and that's, that's a tough thing for many Christians, is even if they do know that the Lord's return and they're excited about it, you know, our human minds have a hard time having the patience of God. But when the Lord says soon, soon for him it means different from soon for us, right? I mean, surely, you know, a day is like a thousand years for the Lord, not is a thousand years, but yeah. like a thousand. In other words, time for God doesn't mean as much as us who have these tiny little lives. So it does feel like it's taken over, but we should never give up hope because God fulfills yeah, his promises 100% of the time. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament... 300 general prophecies, 109 specific prophecies about Jesus' first coming. And you know what? He fulfilled all 109 prophecies. Now, statistically speaking, just fulfilling eight of those 109 prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 17th power, an astronomical number. Uh, Peter Stoner was a mathematician who came up with a calculation of what would that be like. He said if you filled the entire state of Texas two feet deep in quarters, marked one coin and just threw it in, then released a blind man to wander around Texas for a few days, the first coin he picked up, that would be the one with the mark. Now, that's statistically impossible. That's how impossible it is that Jesus fulfilled eight of the 109 prophecies, yet he fulfilled all 109 prophecies. So if he can fulfill those, the 500 prophecies and the one in every 25 verses in the New Testament that talk about Jesus' second coming, well, we can be 100% sure he's going to come. 
So all we have to do is be patient. Uh, I think of the verse where the Lord says um, that uh, he, we is pa- he's excuse me, patient because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. Uh, you've got that That's encyclopedic that mind. August, what's that verse again? I see. I require the Internet to look up verses. So while you're doing that off the top of your head, I am unfortunately restricted to having to look well, up my no, keyboard. I, I think you were alluding to Second Peter 3.9. You know, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us would not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's, that's the answer I give people, Nathan, when they ask me, well, August, Jesus hasn't returned yet. You guys have been preaching this for years now. Hal Lindsay's been preaching this for years now. Dave Reagan's been preaching this for years now. Zola's been preaching this uh, for years, and he hasn't returned. Why hasn't he returned yet? And that's the verse that I give them in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God wants to see more souls saved, and so he's ready uh, to have that trumpet sound and the Lord Jesus pick us up and bring us home. Exactly, and thank you, yes. Uh, as your listeners ought to know, August, you are gifted with the ability to memorize verses like there's no tomorrow. I teach Bible drill. We have to memorize 25 verses every session. Dude, if I was you, that's a gift I'd want, but you're right. Uh, in the NIV, it says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I think each and every one of us today should be happy about that, because if you think about it, if the Lord, Lord wasn't patient, you know, he could have come back 20, 50, 100 years ago before we were even born. So I owe my entire existence on the fact that the Lord is, Lord is patient and wanting everybody in this church age to come repentance, and we can be sure that when every single person that the Lord has chosen to be part of his church, the bride of Christ, to be raptured, then that'll be it. He will come and he will fulfill those promises. Amen. What a blessing. Well, uh, Nathan, everybody wants to know, you know, what is the rapture? And how can we know when it will happen? And I know Jesus says that no man knows the day and no man knows the hour, but this seems to be on the lips of everybody uh, in the church today, even in the secular uh, arena, people want to know, hey, what is the rapture? Or what is this rapture of the church all about? Can we know when it will happen? So, Nathan, just tell our listeners, what, what is the rapture of the church, and can we know when it will happen? Sure. Well, sadly, the rapture has gotten a lot of attention, not for positive reasons. Uh, Harold Camping made two predictions this year that Jesus would come back, and each time, you know, the latest being October 21st, and, of course, obviously the Lord didn't come back, the world didn't end, uh, but it got the secular world talking about this word, the rapture. And so the, sometimes the secular world is more interested in what the rapture is in the church. And that's because you really can't you can't find the word rapture in the Bible, just like you can't find the word Bible in the Bible, or you can't find the word Trinity in the Bible. But 1 Thessalonians 4.17 has the word rapture in it, and we get that because if you go, uh, I'll read the verse, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. That word caught up in the Greek is harpezo. Uh, when the Bible was turned into Latin for the 1,100 years that we had the Latin Vulgate, it was rapio, and so the Englishized version of caught up in Latin is rapture. So I could say the great snatching away or the great catching up or the yeah. great taking out, but it's easier just to say rapture uh, from the Latin rapio. Yeah. You can find that in First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Uh, there's references in First uh, Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. John 14 has it. Um, I mean, basically, there is a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about the rapture of the church. And there's also verses oh. that talk about Jesus' second coming. Uh, Zechariah 14, 1 through 21. Matthew 24, 29 through 31. 
Mark chapter 13, 24 through 27, and Luke 21, 25 through 27, all talk about Jesus' return. So the rapture of the church is about when Jesus will come in the clouds, he will call up all those who have uh, trusted him as Savior, first those who have died in Christ since the church was founded at Pentecost, up to now will be resurrected first, then those of us who are alive, and then just a says in a blink of an eye, just just a snap of a finger, it'll happen so fast that we'll hear the archangel call out something, we don't know what, maybe come up here, or it is time, or the Lord is waiting for you, and we will be transformed from our physical bodies to our new glorified bodies, we'll be resurrected, and we will all meet the Lord in the air. And after that, that's when the seven years uh, plus, if there's an intermediate time, of tribulation will befall the earth. And it'll be a different era, a different dispensation. But the rapture of the church is for the Lord coming for all those who believed in him in the last 2,000 plus years to take them to heaven before he pours his wrath out onto the world for its sin and rebellion against him. Now, listen, people say, well, does something have to be fulfilled in order for the rapture of the church to take place? Now, I'm reminded of what, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew 16, you know, they were looking for a sign. Uh, from Jesus, and Jesus responded by saying, this adulterous and sinful generation looks after a sign, but no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Many say today, well, something has to be fulfilled in order for the rapture to take place. Is that true? No, uh, the rapture of the church is a signless event. Now, we can know that there's signs of the times that point to the Lord's soon return, so we know we're getting closer to the time, but... uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, and 44, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. So we know that the Lord will come and take his church. Uh, matter of fact, Matthew 24, 36 says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So there's, there's lots of other verses, Titus 2:13 and 1 John 2:28 and so forth, that says that nobody knows when the rapture of the church comes. Now, this is separate, and this is kind of hard for folks, but the rapture is separate from Jesus' second coming. It's a different event. There are, it's a, you can read about the rapture, and you can read about the second coming, and explain two totally different events. We know when the second coming is because there's got to be seven years of tribulation. There's got to be an Antichrist that comes on the world. There's got to be 21 judgments of the fall of the planet. It even gives us the calculation so we know exactly that it's, it's seven years or 42 months of 30 days each that when Jesus will come. So there's plenty of signs for the second coming, but there are no signs that have to happen before the rapture of the church. It's an imminent event. Yeah, because when you look at the rapture, Nathan, and the second coming, the rapture is when Jesus is coming for his church. The second coming is when he is coming back with his church. So that, that rapture and second coming is separated uh, by Daniel's 70th week of prophecy, what we would call the tribulation period. Oh, yeah. I would say there, there's ten different differences between the rapture and the second coming. With the rapture, believers meet Christ in the air. Christ doesn't come to the earth. He's in the air, and we go up to him. But in the second coming, Christ returns to the earth and lands on the Mount of Olives, we're told, and he meets believers that are already on the earth. Uh, two, the rapture, the Mount of Olives is unchanged. But when Jesus comes back at the second coming, he's going to split the Mount of Olives. This is a, a mountain right outside of Jerusalem, and he'll form a new right. valley just east of Jerusalem. Uh, third, the rapture, living believers, we will get these new glorified bodies. But at the second coming, 
the living believers who are still on the earth remain in the same body. So we've got to talk about two different groups of believers here. Uh, number four, the rapture believers go to heaven. But at second coming, like you said, glorified believers come with Christ back to earth. Uh, five, the rapture, the world is left unjudged and living in sin. But at the second coming, when Jesus comes back, he brings justice and judgment. Uh, six, the rapture depicts a deliverance from the church from wrath. But at the second coming, depicts deliverance of believers who are already enduring wrath. Uh, seven oh, wow. is the rapture, like we just discussed, no signs preceded. But the second coming, there are so many signs. As a matter of fact, we even know the exact days from the beginning of it, from when the Antichrist, uh, Daniel 9, 26, and 27, makes a peace treaty with Israel to exactly seven years to when it ends. Eight, we know the rapture is revealed only in the New Testament, but the second coming, we're given all sorts of references, both in the Old and New Testament. The rapture deals with only those of us who are saved, while the second coming deals with both the saved and the unsaved. As Jesus comes as a relief for those who have become saved during the tribulation, but a terrible judgment on those who have continued to rebel during that time. And after the rapture, number ten, Satan remains free. He is on this earth. He's pretty much thinking he's ruling it and reigning it because he's got his one, number one man, the Antichrist, who will form a global government. But at the second coming, Satan is defeated and he's thrown into an abyss for a thousand years. So clearly the rapture and the second coming are two totally different events. You know, when you look at, when you look at the prophecies concerning the second coming, especially in the book of Revelation, when you look at verse number 14 of Revelation 19, it tells us, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That has to refer to uh, the saints that were raptured uh, seven years earlier, coming back with him, Nathan, seven years later. Zechariah 14, 4 says his feet touched the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives split. And so, yeah, you, you have to come to that conclusion that the rapture is a separate event from the second coming, separated by a seven-year period uh, of tribulation. I mean, you're forced to, uh, to, to conclude that. Oh, yeah. And the, the church has to be in heaven during these seven years because the Bible tells us about what the saints will be doing in heaven while the seven years of God's wrath is poured out in the earth. I mean, the first thing we'll be doing is that we'll participate in a judgment by God while in heaven. Now, this isn't a judgment to say we're going to hell or not because we are in heaven with Christ. That means we're already saved. It's a judgment of the just, and it determines our degrees of reward. You can find that in 2 Corinthians 5.10 and Revelation 19.6-9. So it, there will be a judgment for the church. It'll be in heaven. It'll be for our rewards in heaven. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, fancy clothing, uh, crowns that depict what we've served him. Uh, it talks about new names, which I won't be called Nathan anymore. I'll get a new name. And my wife like says that. my name's a nerd name, so <laughs> I guess I'll be getting a, hopefully a better name. But all these things will be used to, to worship and glorify of what Christ has done through us. Uh, the second event, the Bible tells us, Revelation 19, 7 through 9, talks about the wedding supper of the Lamb, how the church, the bride of Christ, as we're called, will be married to the Lord. And, you know, I don't know what that means exactly, but we do know there's a spiritual marriage between us and Christ, a reunification with us and our Savior who saved our souls. And then the third thing we'll do is after the judgment of the just and the marriage supper of the Lamb, is that we'll prepare to go with Christ back down to earth at the end of the seven years so Jesus can wage the battle of Armageddon, which just by speaking he defeats his enemies. It says that we will, like you read, we'll return with him on horses. I don't know if these, what these kind of horses are. Uh, you know, they could be angels. They could be real horses. But it says that we will be in white robes and we will be following Jesus back. So, you know, we can't be following Jesus back to earth 
if the rapture and the second coming is the same, because we'd be going up and then coming back at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. So those are the three things that we'll be doing up in heaven while the tribulation is going on. Nathan, what what signs can we specifically see happening right now that is indicating to you and I that the rapture of the church could be close at hand? Oh, my goodness. There are just so many signs to talk about the Lord's soon return. Uh, uh, for one is nature. Uh, Luke 21:11 says, There will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Now, we know that as Jesus comes back, uh, Matthew 24, 8 says it's like birth pains. You know, they, uh, you and I have had children, so we've got to watch our wives. Thank goodness we didn't have to go through it, but, you know, our wives went through where the labor pains get stronger and closer together and faster. And so natural disasters, which the world's always had because it's a fallen world, but they will get more frequent in intensity. Uh, they will get stronger and more devastating. You know, it used to be years, if not months, between the natural disasters, and now it seems like every week we get a new natural disaster. Matter of fact, between October of 1991 and 2004, nine of the ten largest insurance natural disasters happened. Nine of the ten greatest disasters ranked by FEMA cost relief. Five of the costliest hurricanes happened in history, and three of its four largest tornado swarms. I'm in Texas right now, and we are having the worst drought ever. I mean, if you go out to Lake Levon, which is near us, you can walk across it because there's almost no water in it terrible droughts. Meanwhile, other parts of the world, up in New England, uh, Thailand, uh, Bangkok's pretty much underwater. Uh, earthquakes, so we're having earthquakes all over the planet in D.C. and in Oklahoma where we don't have it. We have uh, hurricanes like uh, Katrina and many others who come destroying. I mean, these natural disasters are probably the number one sign that the Lord's returning. And fortunately, there's a good side to it, is it's a sign that most people say, hey, wait, something must be going on. I mean, you'll see the news and they'll say it's an act of God, or the insurance claim will say an act of God. I mean, that's when secularists have to admit, hey, there's a God. So the signs of nature is a big one. Uh, the second one I would say is the signs of society, Second Timothy 3, 1 through 4. The Bible says, realize that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient, ungrateful, malicious gossips, gossips irreconcilable, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless. I mean, it goes on and on and says that the sign of the times is that society will return to the days of Noah. When Before Noah and the ark, society was so bad that God said, I, I just have to do something about it. They're just so evil. And when society becomes like that again today, that is so that's a sign of society. There's uh, spiritual signs. For one, the gospel will spread across the entire planet. But Matthew 24 tells us, It'll also be a time of, of lots of false Christs, lots of cults, lots of people uh, being uh, uh, confused. Uh, I think of the Church of Laodicea, the, end, the last end-time church Revelation 3 talks about, says yeah. that the church will grow apathetic, and clearly we're seeing the church today, which thinks it's wealthy you know, with our big church buildings and our big budgets, but spiritually we're just falling apart. We're just eating milk all the time and, and not the word of the Lord. Uh, politics, yeah. Matthew uh, the fourth one I'd say is sign of world politics. Matthew 24, 6 through 7 says, You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars, for nation will rise up against nation and king against kingdom. In the 20th century, we saw two of the worst world wars in history. More people died in the last hundred years than ever before. So uh, clearly the world is gearing up to another major world war, World War III, which the Bible talks about as the Antichrist conquering and destroying the world. We talked about a little earlier, technology, 
Uh, how yeah. uh, Luke 21:26, men will faint from fear over the expectations of things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And clearly today we have the technology to see all that's going on in the world and put the pieces together. And uh, probably your favorite sign, August, if I know you're right, man, is the sign of Israel, Zechariah 12:3. And it shall come about in the day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Clearly, the entire world, for uh, it's got to be satanic, because how could anyone hate one tiny little country like Israel, like the whole world hates Israel, and wants to take Jerusalem from her? That is a major, major sign indicating that the Lord's coming back. You know, so those are the six say, major categories. Yeah. No, go ahead, Nathan. No, no, uh, I'd say that's uh, Dr. Reagan uh, composed. If you go to our website, go to our articles and then signs. We have a number of articles listed there that we'll put these out in detail if uh, folks listening want to follow up on that information. Uh, Dr. Reagan even <laughs> he has a list of 50 of them if you're interested, and uh, that's, he said he could just keep going after 50. So there are a lot of signs that say the Lord's coming back really, really soon. You know, for anyone to say that Israel is not a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, simply is just ignorant, you know, to try to put it as mildly as I can. You know, Zola, when he when he was alive, I mean, Zola, you know, rigorously defended uh, Israel and even went head-to-head with some, you know, major Bible scholars uh, out there who, you know, they, they taught about Israel in the tribulation period and Israel in the millennial kingdom, but during the church age, they're saying that Israel is not a fulfillment of uh, 20th century Bible prophecy and things of that. How can anybody say that when you read Deuteronomy chapter 30, Ezekiel 36:24, Amos 9:15, uh, Ezekiel 37, the dry bones vision? How can anybody even ignore the fact that Israel is not a modern-day fulfillment of Bible prophecy? It's just absolutely mind-boggling to me. Oh, you're not kidding. I, <laughs> I mean, what nation? That's been people group that's been dispersed across the entire planet for 1,900 years forms their country again. I mean, have the Hittites risen up in power and formed their country again? No, it hasn't happened. You know, have the Native American tribes formed their nation again? It just it doesn't happen. And clearly, that it's Israel, where God has given us the Bible through the Jews, given us the Messiah through the Jews has given the promises, the mystery of the church through the Jews, should make us say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't just a historical aberration. God must be telling us something. And like you said, when we have these Bible verses that that talk about Israel in Zechariah 12 and also in 14 that talk about Israel being a stumbling block to the world and every nation that goes against it will be dashed to pieces, and every nation that has gone against Israel, the, the British Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the... Uh, you name it, even us, where you know America is getting so crippled, the more we interfere with Israel and, and just not leave it alone and, and be supportive, the more our economy is falling apart. You, you could look at Canada and Germany right now are the two countries that somewhat support Israel, and their economies are thriving. So those type of signs are clear that the Lord loves those who bless Israel, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He's given them promises, and we need to understand that. So, yes, Israel is not an historic aberration. I it, it grieves me when I hear Christians, even friends that I respect, say, yeah, Israel doesn't matter. Well, that's because, you know, they are the same people that don't care about Bible prophecy at all. You know, they want the church to conquer the world for Christ, even though the church is never meant to conquer the world for Christ. Christ's meant to conquer the world for Christ. And so Israel has a future and it has a purpose. And it is the number one sign. And I tell you, August, just 
you and I watching the news, reading the reports lately, especially Iran getting the bomb and uh, Hezbollah yeah. with 1,000 missiles pointing Israel, Gaza, uh, Egypt, the whole Arab Spring as the, the Muslim world becomes more radical and hating Israel. Uh, the idea that there's only three months left for Israel has to do something and attack Iran, and if that happens, Iran will activate Syria and uh, Hezbollah and Lebanon and Gaza. And so we're looking at a major, major world war that will start in the Middle East. But we know, you know, Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38, 39, they all tell us these things that happen. And as scary as that is, Bible prophecy is, it has scary parts, but we know in the long run there's that hope in the future of Jesus' victory. But we have to get through some of the scary parts first. And frankly, man, I believe that the rapture church will happen long before we see Israel really get into it, like Ezekiel 38 and 39 says. Well, I agree with that one, Nathan. Hey, you still have an opportunity to call Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries, 877-659-8944. He has a toll-free number all across the United States and around the world, 877-659-8944. We have a little time left in the program, so you have an opportunity to call Nathan and ask him a question concerning Bible prophecy, 877-659-8944. Or you can email a question at august.todayinbibleprophecy at gmail.com. That's august.todayinbibleprophecy at gmail.com. We, we did have an email question that just came in for you, Nathan, and for some reason I lost it in my box. I'm not sure exactly where it is. I'm going to try to bring it up uh, for you. But uh, as I'm doing that, uh, is Israel relevant? I think we ought to just answer that question. I'm going to go with this one right here. Nathan, how should we approach the study of the book of Revelation, we've got those who approach it uh, literally, those who approach it figuratively, I mean, allegorically. How should we approach the book of Revelation? Well, I believe that we need to approach it literally, like anything in the Bible. Uh, certainly there's, there's poetic parts of the Bible, and we need to take them as such. Certainly there's symbolic parts of the Bible, but usually when there's symbolism, the other Bible verses will explain what those symbolism is. So we need to take the study of Revelation, literally. I mean, obviously the Antichrist isn't a giant beast that's tromping and stomping the earth, but he's like a giant beast. Uh, you know, John was a first-century man. He was trying to put a 21st or whatever century it'll be pictures into right. mind and trying to understand that for us, an interpretation can be difficult. Revelation's a difficult book. Uh, there's other prophecies in the book, but I believe, and I think this, the Bible supports, too, that we need to take a literal interpretation of the Bible. We have a saying at Lamb and Lion Ministries, if the plain sense makes sense, look for no other sense, otherwise you will end up with nonsense. And that's what happens when people take an allegorical view of the Bible or they spiritualize the Bible, they create whatever meaning that they want to create, they create their own ideas. You know, that that's like being God. You can't be like God and just make up what you want about the Bible. Just take the Bible for what it says and follow that, and that's your best way of, and the number most important way of interpreting the Bible. So we're just telling our, our audiences that uh, the approach to the Book of Revelation is the literal interpretation. Yes, literal interpretation. So, folks, and I agree with Nathan on that. We should approach the Book of Revelation, you know, from a literal point of view. And I love when Dr. Reagan says that every time on TV. You know, if the plain sense makes sense. Don't look for any other sense, because you will uh, end up with uh, nonsense. And, uh, and folks, there's, there's a lot of nonsense out there when it comes, you know, to the study of uh, Bible prophecy. As Nathan said, when you allegorize and you spiritualize, you're making yourself God during the driver's seat. 
you're in control, and you can come up with any form uh, of doctrine that you want. So that's something that we really, uh, really need to be careful with. Always approach the book of Revelation from a literal uh, point of view. Uh, Nathan, uh, what what do we do with Iran? And everyone keeps asking me, you know, when do you think Israel is going to attack Iran? Does Iran play a major role in end-time Bible prophecy? And what would you tell our listening audience about Iran? Well, Iran, obviously, when one of the sad side effects of the United States attacking Iraq and removing Saddam Hussein is that we removed the check to the mullahs who dominate as a theocracy over Iran. And so Iran now is extending its influence and power all through to create what's called a Muslim crescent or a Shiite crescent. That's the, the form of um, Islam that they follow, a Shiite. And so they want basically to take over the Middle East and take over its riches and powers. Uh, Sadly, the, they can't get that kind of influence without Russia. So behind the pulling the puppet strings behind Iran really is Russia, providing them with all the nuclear know-how to build these reactors, to build these uh, bombs, which uh, just this week the International Atomic Energy uh, Committee, part of the UN, came out and said, yes, they aren't just using these atomic uh, nuclear reactors they're building for peaceful purposes, like they continue to claim, they're building nuclear weapons. And the commission said that they will have four possible nuclear weapons with the capability of launching them by May of, uh, excuse me, April of next year, of April 2012. So that gives Israel maybe to late March at the most to deal with these weapons. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, President Ahmadinejad, who's the, the president, uh, he's kind of, a, again, a puppet for the Ayatollahs who run the country, but they, they hate Israel with a passion because in Islam, if any land is taken away from Muslims, they feel it's an insult against Allah, and they'll do everything they can to get that land back. So no matter what we do in the way of peace processes and appeasement and all, which never works, it can't because we have offended Allah to them, and they must uh, defend Allah, and they must get out. If you say that they're in uh, Allah's bad spot at the moment, you know, Allah's mad at them, they believe, until they get Israel back. So they want to wipe Israel off the map, even if it... You know, all this talk about them loving the Palestinians is crazy because they want to irradiate, irradiate all of Israel. You're not loving the Palestinians if you want to irradiate the entire country. So Iran is a major uh, problem right now. Unfortunately, the uh, European Union and American leadership is extremely weak. Russia and China are profiting off of Iran, and so they want to extend their – and this fulfills Ezekiel 38 and 39, which talks about Iran, which is one country – along with a bunch of other countries that have never been as a coalition before, Russia, Iran, Turkey, uh, we've got um, uh, down in uh, Sudan and possibly Ethiopia, we got Libya. All these countries that are experiencing the Arab Spring are supposed to come together, unite, and attack Israel. And God says he will show himself to the world through it by annihilating their forces. And Joel, too, says only a, a fraction of them will be back and they'll all be running off to the northernmost parts, most likely a Siberia. So we know that Iran, all this yelling and screaming and wanting to kill Israel, has no real future. Now there's a, a lot of talk. Uh, Bill Salas has been bringing up the idea that maybe Jeremiah 49 in the prophecy against Elam, which is part of uh, uh, the land of Iran right now, will experience a devastation first, and that might be a precursor to uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. We'll have to see. But Iran definitely has a place in Bible prophecy, and it's a place of absolute defeat and destruction. And I believe, uh, I wrote an article called Timing Gog Magog, you can find that on our website, 
where I try to place when is Ezekiel 38 and 39 going to find its fulfillment. And to me, most likely the fulfillment will be before the tribulation but after the rapture because the entire focus of this is off the church and back to Israel again. So uh, another sign, Iran ramping up and Russia forming these coalitions, to me, is a major sign pointing that we are really, really close to the rapture. Nathan, the email question for you is uh, from uh, uh, David. And uh, he says, uh, Nathan, what is your take on UNESCO recognizing the Palestinian Authority? And they want, you know, is there any fulfillment of prophecy in that? No, UNESCO is a bunch of uh, educating scientific doves who are anti-Semitic and hate Israel. They have no backbone. They have no authority to claim anybody. I mean, they could say, hey, Alaska is its own country. It matters nothing. Uh, the Security Council has to be unanimous on voting a country in, and already the United States says they'd veto it. Uh, we might not have to because the, the clerk there just this week it came out and said there's no way the votes will be there anyway. But it gives the Palestinians a lot of street cred to the rest of the world. Uh, the, the UN hates Israel. I mean, it spends all its time making resolutions against Israel. I mean, all these horrible things are going on in Syria and down in Sudan and all. They could care less. It's a bunch of communist countries and Islamic countries united. They took over the UN from its purposes of bringing peace and justice to the world, and now it's just a body that hate Israel. And I think this will be a body that will be abolished at one point when the Antichrist comes, when he becomes the world leader. And so UNESCO, you know, they could vote on me becoming a country. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just a symbolic of, of how anti-Semitic they really are. Well, hey, David, we want to thank you for that uh, email question for uh, Nathan. And, you know, in, in reference to UNESCO, I mean, the United States just cut off all funding for them, and I understand that they're, they're pretty much hurting right now financially because of this move of, uh, like you said, it means nothing, I agree. It means absolutely nothing. But them recognizing the Palestinian Authority, now they're hurting financially now because the U.S. just stripped them of all their, of all their money. Yeah, you know, it's that we have a, such a strong Jewish remnant in the United States. So the, the last uh, election where they, they filled the seat out of New York City with a Republican that they never done before, it shows that these little local elections really can have a big difference because that sent a message to Obama, President Obama, saying, hey, you're losing the Jewish vote. So all of a sudden he's coming out now and he's trying to help them and trying to sound tough with the Palestinians. But uh, I think Obama has played his cards pretty well, showing that he is totally – anti-Semitic, and he's all for the Arabs and the Muslim countries coming against Israel. So uh, you read about it in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It, it talks about how uh, uh, the Sheba and Dedan, which is uh, Arabian countries, and the, the young lions of Tarshish, which would be the United States and Canada and Australia, we set it out. We watch and say, hmm, what's going to happen? So we know the United States isn't – I mean, sure, we can cut funding and – you know, we can veto things, but we're not seriously going to go out there and defend Israel according to Ezekiel 38 and 39. We're just going to watch and see what happens, pretty much. Well, we've got one quick email here. We've got about just a little less than two minutes here. Uh, Nathan, a report about the Arab nations pressing to strike Iran. Do you think this also is a fulfillment of prophecy? I think that when you read the nation list of Ezekiel 38 that you'll notice there's a number of countries missing. You'll notice uh, all the surrounding countries around Israel aren't listed in there, and how could that be? So there must be a Bible prophecy that's fulfilled before Ezekiel 38 and 39, and I believe that is uh, Psalm 83, that Psalm 83 will fulfill that prophecy and that Israel will have to subdue the nations around it before Ezekiel 38 and 39 can be fulfilled. 
Well, I don't know who sent that email. I want to thank you so much. Uh, it's anonymous there, but thank you so much for your email question for Nathan Jones. And, Nathan, we just roughly got less than 20 seconds left. Why don't you just give everybody the uh, contact information once again for Lamb and Lion? Sure. LambLion.com. Just hit contact. You can send emails in to me, and I'd be happy to answer. Well, Nathan, I want to appreciate you for coming on the show today. It's been a real blessing and a joy, and I'm really looking forward to being with you next month in Dallas. Me too, August. It's always fun hanging out with you. Appreciate you, brother. Tell Dr. Reagan we said hello, and hopefully we'll have you again on the program soon. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Take care. Uh, That was Nathan Jones of Lamb and Lion Ministries, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today here on the program. Don't forget, next week I will have Donald Perkins. He will be my guest, and you'll have an opportunity to ask him uh, questions. And so uh, next week we'll be on the program. So don't forget, folks, keep looking up because Jesus is coming soon. This is August Rosado with the Day in Bible Prophecy Ministries. Hope to see you again next week. Shalom and pray for the peace of Jerusalem.